Let's face it, hiring help is not easy these days. Let Zentegger Staffing help you find the right person for the right job. Head over to Zentegra.com forward slash Zentegra Staffing to find out more and let us staff your people needs. Welcome to another Citrix Session with your host, Andy Whiteside and Bill Sutton, your source for all things Citrix. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 30 of the Citrix Session. I'm your host, Andy Whiteside, and of course, I have with me Bill Sutton. Bill, how's it going? Going well today, Andy. How about yourself? Good. Did I get that number right? Because as I said it out loud to myself, I I was... uh, scared that I didn't remember if you said 29 or 30. 30. 30. Yeah, this is number 30. Well, it's hard to believe. I I, um, I love that we've done 30 and hopefully we'll get, uh, you know, 50 done this year. And uh, we'll be the guys who not only did a Citrix podcast, but we followed it up with another podcast because plenty of guys have started, just not very many of them have kept it going. I'd love it if we could get to 50 this year. I think that's definitely doable. It's only May, right? Yeah. And I think the beauty of this is this is just an opportunity for you and I just to talk to somebody we want to talk to anyway and find out what they got going on and use it as an opportunity to learn and share it with others. That's that's what makes it easy and, and exciting. And I look forward every Monday to doing at least one on Monday. Yep, exactly. I agree. Me too. Well, today's uh, topic is a blog written by Kurt Romer. Uh, Kurt is, you know what, Kurt, I got to get your official title here. I'll let you tell us here in a second. But Kurt's a security guy at Citrix. And this article, this blog is called, Are You Working Securely or Working Remotely? Part one. Uh, It sounds like the joke I ask my kids all the time. Are you working hard or hardly working? And they chuckle and then we go from there. But um, Kurt, glad to have you on. Yeah, thanks, Andy and Bill. Glad to uh, be here. And hi, everyone. I'm Kurt Romer, Chief Security Strategist for Citrix, and I'm also a member of our office of the CTO. I'm uh, coming up on 14 years with Citrix. So, Kurt, let's use this as an opportunity to talk about Citrix being a security play, which for myself uh, and Bill, I'm sure, and probably for you, the day I knew that I could deliver um, presents an application workload without ever having to actually bring in the data local uh, that evolved eventually into non-persistent read-only images and the ability to turn off you know, printer mapping and clipboard mapping and all those good things. I mean, from that moment on, uh, first time I ever saw it, Citrix was a security play to me. How about you? Oh, absolutely. Uh, Citrix has been a security place since day one, and um, it's really helped a lot of people be able to securely deliver applications without having to distribute the applications and without having to deliver the data. And then um, building on top of the virtualization technologies, we've added in quite a few other security features and really continuing the model of allowing for the four major methods of deployment. And that's either going direct, going Mm -hmm. through some level of proxy, whether it's application-based, network-based, going virtualized, which, uh, you know, we all know and love, or going containerized or enclaved. And um, being able to support each of those four models in uh, fairly unique ways gives us some, some really cool security capabilities. So, so our goal in this series of podcasts we're going to do with you is to cover the series of blogs that you have here where you're going to go over modern day Citrix and how it's a security play. But I, I just want to highlight one more time and kind of twist it as hard as I can. 
your grandfather's Citrix is still one of the best security plays you'll ever have. Uh, if you can deliver the content versus deploying the content, if you can deliver the app instead of deploying the app, if you can keep the data in the data center, you know, it's like that uh, commercials back in the day about your grandfather's Oldsmobile or this isn't your grandfather's Oldsmobile or Buick or whatever it was. Uh, you know, even the old school Citrix guys, you, you have to, admit that prior to all this, Citrix was a security play, if you if you looked at it, and an operational efficiency play. Um, and now we've got several more factors to to add to that element. Before we before we jump into that, let's get the let's get Bill, who's been around a while, a person of a certain age, I guess is what I'm supposed to officially call him, um, and get his take <laughs> on Citrix being a security play in his world. No, I absolutely agree with what everything you've said, Andy. It, it certainly back in you know when I started, which was around the in Citrix, anyways, which was around the same time you did. Um, you know, understanding the abstraction, if you will, the delivery from the from the data, from the application, and and uh, the inherent benefits of that, like you said, from an efficiency perspective, an access perspective, um, as well as security. It's 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 always been there. I don't know that it's been played up as much as it as it it is as it is now, but uh, it's definitely always been there. I agree. Yeah. So, Kurt, let's jump into what you're covering uh, with this series first and foremost. And I, I love what you have in the second, the second paragraph. And it talks about situationally, situationally aware and contextually risk appropriate. Um, that's where all things security starts, right? Yeah, absolutely. And it's really about automating that for people as well. You know, today we ask employees and third parties that we work with to make way too many security decisions on their own and to remember to follow some written rules and some unwritten rules in terms of doing their work. How many times have security professionals gone out and told people don't click on any links? Well, you know, you can't get your job done if you're not clicking on any links. Uh, might as well just give people a buttonless mouse, right? Hey, I got a question, Kurt. I got a question. I got to ask. Do Do you ever accidentally click on a, a link that is a security risk, and then you catch yourself doing it? I evaluate them pretty heavily, so uh, no, I I haven't gotten caught with anything like that in quite a while, and yeah. um, I tend to run those on a, a very lockdown system or a Chromebook if I'm investigating anything. I, I got to admit, there's moments where I'm, you know, running to the coffee maker or something and something catches my eye and I click on it without analyzing it real thoroughly. And and then I go, well, of course, I mean, heck, I, I know this exists, yet I still get caught up in it every once in a while. Uh, there was even one time a year ago, I put my password in. It's Office 365 phishing attack. And I, I put my password in. I was like, oh, I can't believe I did that. Oh, yeah, that would be rough. Now, the, the one that I'm waiting uh, to amplify up quite a bit is the unsubscribe attack, where you just sent so many emails that seem relevant, and you, every once in a while, it just drives you nuts, and you got to go click unsubscribe, and that happened to be the one link you didn't want to click. Right. Yeah, and again, they're, they're smart. They're, they're really smart, and uh, using our own passion, our own uh, emotional reactions against us. Yep. So, so Kurt, your uh, your series here. The goal is to how many how many of these do you plan to write? So, um, in terms of working securely or working remotely, uh, it's really these two parts. But we're going to be expanding this a little further and talking about the needs 
uh, with working with sensitive data at home and explaining that in a lot more detail. You know, there there's some other problems to solve as people have gotten over the initial shock of working from home and what that means. Now it's really about optimization and how can we optimize this for the employee, for the organization, and now particularly for supporting sensitive data and privacy. Right. Yeah. I mean, security is security, but we still got to get work done, right? Absolutely. All right. So let's uh, tip one, assess your workspace. What are we covering here? Really what this is, is um, thinking a little bit more deeply about your personal space that you're in. Uh, when you had an office provided for you at work and all the ecosystem around it, you know, you had social protections with the other people there. You had uh, guards that you had to go through and gates and you had to be able to present your ID. You had controls over um, whiteboards being erased and uh, things being shredded and taken care of for you. And many people have not thought through all of those services when they're at home. And so if they're working with sensitive data um, and you're printing it, are you shredding it? Or are you just throwing it in the trash with everything else? Hmm. Are you taking a look around your workspace and saying, hey, if I had the camera on right now, there's a couple things I don't want people to see, right. um, either because they're deeply personal or they might give away some information on you. And um, you know, the, the worst thing is you have somebody who gets a reminder to change their password, what's the first thing most people do? They look around, they see something, they go, oh, that'd make a great password. Well, if you're showing everything in your office, uh, people might be able to guess your passwords a little more easily. That's great. I, I, you know, I guess I probably thought about that. I even have conversations with, hey, it looks like you've got a sailboat behind you. You like to sail, it looks like, or you live near the water. And had that one just last week with someone. Yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty funny. And you, you look at this and when you consider your home office and a lot of the information that you might have in it, how can you best organize that, especially as we're getting into the summer months and you might have people coming through to fix your air conditioning or other things, uh, mm -hmm. people coming to the door. You, you want to make sure that your data that you're protecting is being protected at least at the level that it would have been within uh, the corporate office. So, Kurt, is that why you dialed into this meeting and Bill and I are sitting here on Zoom with our faces and offices widely displayed for all to see? It sure is. Wow. <laughs> I, I tell you, I, I, um, I just assumed you were lazy. No, I'm just joking. Um, but that is my normal assumption. Uh, and then Bill and I are very, you know, HDX friendly here and we're high definition cameras. And, um, you know, Bill, what is that? Is that your, uh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you know, Bill, was that a picture of your wife and kids? Oh, what are their names? And then next thing you know, I'm, I've got half Bill's passwords right there. That's right. That's great. Hey, Bill, any thoughts on that one? That's a fun one to talk about. Yeah, it is a fun one to talk about. And uh, I'm glad you mentioned the last bullet there, Kurt, about an ergonomically comfy chair. Um, for a long time, I had one that was not very comfy. And the one I'm in is not the best in the world, but that's a really important element, even though it's not really a security thing. Um, but I'm, you know, but on the security front, I'm very careful about keeping everything on in the, in the virtual desktop and not printing, especially at home. And, um, and I also have tried to do what you're supposed to do, uh, which is lock the, lock the desktop, uh, even at home. Um, but my kids do know to stay away. So at least I have that going for me. 
Yeah, you want to want to keep that up so that uh, when you go back to the office, it's not foreign again, and um, right. it helps to make sure that uh, people aren't reading things off the screen that they shouldn't. Um, you know, in addition to the comfy chair, one other thing that uh, people need to think about is the ability to take calls and be able to walk around or have a stand-up desk. I've I've made a stand-up desk with a. a big, strong milk crate from time to time. And I can tell you, it really helps through some long meetings. So definitely think about these things when you're working yeah. at home. Yeah. Well, and it's funny, I guess I'll tell the story real quick. Uh, you know, our, we were delayed getting started here because I've moved to a Chrome device for a while to test that out. And I couldn't get my Ring Central meeting to work and record properly. So, and I think it was on me. I'm pretty sure it's on me. It's just user training error. Um, but, you know, trying to trying to be more secure while still trying to work bit us for a little bit, you know, getting started here. Um, and I had to pull out the, uh, you know, the Windows 10 laptop and, and use what I knew how to work. So, you know, security and blending that with getting things done all at the same time is, uh, you know, kind of their nirvana. Uh, Kurt, uh, your next topic here, your next tip is uh, choose video chat and collaboration tools widely. Now, that's uh, you know, an interesting topic right now with everybody just jumping on the Zoom bandwagon. And I'm not anti-Zoom by any means. I think some of us uh, technical folks have become very anti-Zoom. Um, but there's certainly been some issues. you want to elaborate on this one? Yeah, definitely. You know, when you go out and purchase uh collaboration tools as an organization. There's typically a very long vetting process. Lots of things are tested. Well, in the mass rush to work from home, a lot of that was thrown out the window and people grabbed what was extremely convenient and most importantly, free. And you have to remember that whatever is free, uh, somebody's paying for it. You know, basically, uh, it's been said in the past, if it's, if it's a free service, you are the product. And I think we've seen this happen with a, a few of these services where they haven't been configured to an enterprise level and enterprises were using them for some very private, sensitive conversations. Data was being sent all over the planet, uh, wasn't being encrypted properly. People could randomly join meetings, otherwise known as Zoom bombing. And uh, yeah, it, it got pretty crazy for a while. I'm uh, happy to see Zoom in particular taking ownership, addressing these, these issues, and being very transparent with both what happened and what they're going to be doing about it. Yeah, they, they, they have responded uh, in a great way. Um, now, here's the challenge for Bill and I. So you work for Citrix. I'm assuming most of your uh, meetings done online are through GoToMeeting, right? Uh, most internal meetings are, yes. But uh, I work with a lot of external organizations, and uh, I've got at least eight different collaboration tools that I'm on uh, in any given month. Yeah, that, that's a challenge, right? So I'm in eight different collaboration tools a day because we work with so many different okay. vendors who have their choice and, you know, we don't get to dictate and we're just chasing that ball around. So, um, mm. yeah, it's, it's kind of a, your systematic approach to being secure in those tools has to go across all the different platforms. And at that point, it becomes up to you. I think, I think something very interesting happened to me just now. I, while we're recording this, I got a text that said my driver's license uh, may have been compromised, you know, click on this link. Uh, <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know if they knew we were doing this right now or what, but uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it, and, and the truth is it happens once a day now and I just got to be smart enough not to, not to fall for it. Hey, Bill, any thoughts on the collaboration tools and, and Kurt, we, again, we've talked about um, 
getting work done and using these tools, which is a real challenge actually for a Citrix shop when you're in your virtual desktop all day because getting optimized tools within a virtual desktop, uh, whether it's VoIP or online collaboration, has been one of the biggest struggles as a Citrix guy last uh, five years or so. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah, there's a, a couple things that uh, we want to highlight taking a look at this. Um, number one is uh, put in any optimization packages that you need into your Citrix environment for Skype or Teams or other. Um, secondly, if you're going to be running uh, your collaboration tools locally, you might want to run them in the embedded browser and workspace app as opposed to just running them generally in a browser. Um, because running them generally in a browser, everything's got access to webcam and microphone, your file system, your network, and everything else your browser's got access to. And within Workspace app, you can go through and define some additional permissions around the, uh, the applications, even web-based applications. And um, the nice thing with that is it allows you to run workloads locally without having to resort to something like split tunneling on a VPN. Hmm. And that starts to get into the, the new Citrix, right? We talked about your, your old Citrix and your, and your grandfather's Citrix, but now the new Citrix and being able to provide SaaS applications as, a, um, as an aggregator that all of a sudden adds not only performance analytics, but security analytics and controls at that point in time. Yeah, very much so. And um, you look at browsers. Uh, the browser is basically being used for everything these days and um, being able to control the browser in all the places that it, it lives or should be running is very important. So, you know, you've got your OS embedded browser, which we all need to be careful of because that's very open to phishing and ransomware in a lot of ways. Uh, you can run containerized or enclave browsers or uh, microvisors on your uh, local system. You can publish a browser in the data center on Windows or Linux. You can even have cloud-hosted browsers. And um, you can have those browsers with persistence, without persistence, one-time use, uh, disconnected from everything else. Uh, lots of great options there. And definitely uh, thinking through the enterprise browser strategy is one of the bigger things that people can do these days. And um, along with that, making sure that uh, you're accommodating these collaboration tools in the best possible way. Um, all right, let's, let's move on to tip number three, rethink what and how you share. What are we addressing? Yeah, this is an interesting one because uh, you look at a lot of people who move to work from home, you're constantly getting new news, new things to look at, and people are downloading all kinds of apps. Uh, you, you see some of the, the kids with their phones these days, and they can have dozens, hundreds of applications on there in some cases. Well, a lot of these apps uh, are overly permissive. They ask for permissions to your contacts, your calendar, your file system, uh, all kinds of things all over the place. And they can basically be an absolute nightmare for security and privacy. So, you know, asking everybody as uh, we reevaluate our, our work from home situations to have a minimum set of apps. And if you have uh, some areas where you're working with extremely sensitive data, probably have a separate system for that uh, so that you're not exposing that sensitive data to all these other apps that you might be running. Sounds like a great opportunity for a virtual desktop. It sure does. A, a non-persistent virtual desktop at that. Yeah, it, it 
it's helpful to have separate workspaces. And, you know, if you're a consultant, to be able to have separate workspaces for each of the major organizations that you support so that it's uh, even more unlikely for you to be sharing information um, on another organization that you're working with inappropriately. And going back to tip two, having something up on the screen, either from an email perspective or just something in a browser tab that might give away way too much information to somebody who is, uh, you know, in a, a collaboration or meeting with you. And, and that sounds like a really great example of old Citrix, right? Things that we've been able to do for a long time. And people have talked to more recently years about sandboxing. Well, to some degree, we've had sandboxes for a very long time. Yeah, the, the sandboxes are very important. And um, being able to think through all of the different situations that people work in and set up the, the sandboxes for them is extremely important. It's one of the big asks that I have coming out of this blog series is that people go back and revisit their work from home experience, revisit their Citrix environment, make sure that it's hardened and make sure that you're taking advantage of all of these tools that you have to help best provide for security and privacy, not just for the organization, but also for the individual employee. Bill, anything to add? Yeah, I was going to mention something that I that was in this this section, which is which we see on occasion, which is don't use consumer grade software um, with company data like personal file sharing services. We a lot of times I see personal Dropbox or related type of. Uh, applications that clients are using and and they're in, trying to integrate that with Citrix and of course we we often caution them and say you need to look at an enterprise grade system but I see that more often than what than I would like yeah I think we all see that a lot more than we would like and um, it's yeah. helping people to understand what the, the real circumstances are behind this you know you don't know where the data actually is you don't have enterprise grade authentication to get to it you don't have a, a trail of evidence if anything happens. And um, how would you like to have your PC, all of your personal accounts and everything subpoenaed and available to uh, a court of law if there mm -hmm. is an event that exposes you uh, in the home? And that it's one of the big things that I'm concerned about right now is, you know, somebody gets hit with ransomware and all of a sudden uh, it destroys them personally. Yes, absolutely. So, Kurt, tip number four, be wary of your new coworkers, your new friends, the guys you, uh, you know, met at the park or you name it. Over there. Yeah, this is pretty funny because uh, there's, there's a couple things to think about here. You know, many of us have additional people working with us in our homes these days who are on the same network and hopefully not on the same systems. You should all have separate computers. But, uh, you know, the, the kids are playing games or getting together with their friends. You have all kinds of people on your network. And, you know, all of a sudden your video meeting is just uh, going to hell because it's pixelated all over the place because you've got no bandwidth left. So, you know, one of the, the important tips in here is go through and change your Wi-Fi password to kick off all of these other people who might have had it. And um, also go through and review your router. Many of them have settings where you can set up different SSIDs and uh, be able to set bandwidth limits on it. So you can give bandwidth to the people who absolutely need it, which would be uh, the folks that are working as well as uh, the kids who are trying to get the best education these days. So, Kurt, at your house, are you the, uh, are you the czar? Are you the, the sysadmin? Are you the systems admin that 
puts all these policies in place? Uh, I definitely am. My son's pretty good at it too, but he does not have the uh, the password to the router. Yeah. Yeah. My, uh, my kids, they don't have the password. They don't have access to anything. And, and I haven't done a great job locking it down because I'm, I'm just busy, but uh, I, I do remove admin rights on all the windows boxes and they have to come to me when they want to install stuff. And I like to think that I'm pretty thorough about trying to figure out what they're installing, but sometimes I just walk up and type the password in and don't even look. It's uh you know, it's, it's interesting for sure. Yeah, yeah. You, you made a great point there, Rob. Many people who are working from home might be running as local admins on their Windows boxes, and uh, it'd be a great, great idea to have everybody go through, set up separate accounts, change passwords, and only use that administrator account when uh, you're installing software very knowingly. It cuts down on a, a lot of malicious activity. You know, I think one of the big benefits of that, and I'll let Bill chime in here, not benefits, one of the things that's changed in that world is now everybody, uh, you know, your kids used to use your PC, same one used for work, and, and now they've got their own iPad, which has its own security concerns, but not the same as everybody uh, surfing the web on the same PC under one user account, all with elevated rights. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I, you know, my son has a, uh, he got a gaming computer for Christmas last year, and I, I did what you did, Andy. Uh, basically locked it down so that he didn't have the right to install software where he was coming to me every 30 minutes or so in the first few days, I finally just basically reversed it, gave him admin rights. And then after he got a malware on the machine, turned that back. So um, I I went in there the other day and he had opera. He didn't even know what it was. I thought, man, I will never be using this for anything. Right. But it's on your network. I know you're right. It is. Oh, we should, if we really talked about all the bad stuff out there and if people that were non-techie or even techie even listened to it, they would, I don't know, they, would, they wouldn't turn the things on. They just unplug them. Yeah, very much so. And if uh, some of the techies want to have fun with this, go out and get yourself a nice Bluetooth antenna and uh, take a look at all of the unencrypted Bluetooth going on out there and insecure pairing and things where you can read uh, keystrokes coming from keyboards. You can listen in on headsets things that people purchased years ago, never securely paired, or, you know, there's some major flaws in Bluetooth <laughs> and uh, the stack they're running. Could you imagine being in a large apartment building and all of the things that you could, uh, could listen to? It would be like uh, the old days. And I think we're all roughly the same age where your, your dad had a scanner and he would listen to all the, uh, the phone conversations that were happening around your house, you know, outside your house. <laughs> yep. I mean, we literally, before bed, for an hour, we would sit there and listen to everybody's, um, you know, wireless phone calls. And not, I don't mean wireless like Verizon. I mean wireless like, uh, uh, I don't know what you can call it, little tele- telephones in your house. And, man, you got to hear some very uh, interesting stuff. Well, you know, back before the day of digital wireless communications, when it was all analog, you could take one of those racing radios that my dad got that we used at the NASCAR tracks, and you could you could plug those in and sometimes listen to one side of a cell phone conversation. Um, this was back in the early days, but scary stuff. I mean, I think we've evolved beyond that now, but I hadn't thought about the Bluetooth possibilities. <laughs> All right, Kurt. So let's uh, start heading towards the finish here. This is really good and really fun stuff, right? It's not uh, not just Citrix promotional marketing type things. These are just common sense things that we all need to be thinking through. So tip number five, uh, make privacy a priority. Yeah, privacy is something that uh, 
people were assuming in the office that the organization was providing for their privacy. And in a lot of cases, that was true. Uh, when you're working from home, it's completely different, though. Um, you know, I can't tell you how many meetings that I've been on where somebody gets a, a new email and you basically see the entire gist of the email pop up in the notification. It's like, wow, that's kind of cool. I didn't know about that. Or they're trying to launch something and you're taking a look at their browser tabs and seeing everything that they just searched for and you know what they're ordering on Amazon. And they, I make it a point to kind of look at that and it's fun. But um, you know, I'm sure people are taking screenshots and recording it as well. You know, privacy is a fairly big deal, especially now that you're inviting video into your home and uh, uh, a lot of audio meetings as well and <clears throat> showing things that are on your system. Make sure that you're only giving away information that you want to. Uh, one of the other big things, and uh, this is from a, a Citrix perspective, really strongly consider bi-directional privacy and virtualization does a great job with that. So if you're using uh, CDAD, Citrix NApps and desktop, and you're going through and publishing an application down to somebody's personal device, the data never hits the device, the applications aren't installed on the device, and important for the employee as well, none of the information on their personal device is exposed out to the apps or the data or the rest of the network or to the rest of the enterprise. So that's what I mean on here by bi-directional privacy. We've got to think about it both from the employee perspective as well as from the organization's perspective. Privacy is more than just a policy you click past. Yeah, we had a, one of those challenging situations before the COVID situation where, you know, we've mostly been working from home or remote offices for the eight years we've existed. We had a, a new individual with our organization uh, change clothes the other day with the webcam on and, you know, no, wow. and, and, and um, I don't think it wasn't really that bad. I wasn't actually on it. The rest of my sales team was on it. Um, but I don't think it was all that bad, but yeah, it was, it was definitely a moment where you realize, Hey, these, I don't know if they realized the camera came on by default, which I think in a lot of situations it might, if you, especially if you told it to once. Yep. All right. Well, this has been great. Um, Bill, any thoughts or comments on any of these tips or the last one? No, I, you know, I certainly I'm, I'm, I'm personally very cognizant of whether the camera's on or not. And, uh, you know, the, the comment about explicitly disabling that Andy just, you know, reemphasize that. And if you go on the internet and search, you can find some interesting stories about folks who have forgotten it was on or carried it into the bathroom or other things, uh, that have, that are rather humorous, but also reinforce the, the, the serious point here about privacy and making sure that, that we are, that our, that our, Coworkers and employees and what have you and customers are aware of this and, and implementing the, the appropriate measures. Yes. And one other little tip I wanted to add to this, um, you might want to get in a good habit of when you're copying and pasting anything that might be sensitive, pick up a, a random word to copy right afterwards so that you can clear your clipboard. Oftentimes, as people are copying, pasting things back and forth, personal and work-wise, you might make a mistake. And uh, in some of these applications, that just goes out there and it's there forever. So clear your clipboard often. Well, that's good. That's yeah, a good idea. Never no thought brainer. about that. But yeah, it's a, definitely a good tip. No, no brainer. Just never thought about it, right? Yeah. Well, Kurt, this has been great. I, I've, I've appreciated going through this. I do want to take just a minute of your time here and just um, 
I want to, I want to tell you a struggle I have, and that is I uh, am working with several security organizations, and I'm trying to get them to understand how old school Citrix applies and how new school Citrix applies, you know, analytics and things that we can do now that we couldn't do for both SaaS as well as uh, virtually presented applications and desktops. Um, I don't want it on this call per se. We'll talk after we stop the recording. Uh, but I just want to know if you can help us find individuals or organizations out there that can tie into our Citrix story uh, and help us tell a security story off the, uh, you know, off the, off the back of that. Um, but I guess, are you finding it uh, difficult to find security focused organizations that are, do you, have, do you have to convince them that the Citrix story is one they should know? Or are people coming to you telling you that they want Citrix to be part of their security story? Increasingly, we're seeing organizations come through and ask for Citrix to be able to provide for security and privacy and you know, give all of the, the great options that we've got from doing endpoint analysis and uh, protecting against keystroke loggers and screen scrapers, um, having a digital watermark on the screen to remind people that they're working with sensitive data. You know, all these things, people go, wait a second, that's Citrix? The, the folks who hear about it are definitely asking about it. Our challenge, though, is to get out there and um, get to the security teams and get to the people who might be going out and purchasing zero trust solutions and have them think a little wider. Let's think about the security outcomes that you want and think about all the different vendors and solutions that need to be there to support those outcomes. Uh, there's a very, very significant piece of that for Citrix and uh, a lot of great capabilities that we bring to the table. Yeah. Yeah, Bill and I definitely see it. It's just how do we get the world to see it uh, beyond the intrusion protection and firewalls and things that are typically seen at the network level uh, for security and get more into what we cover here, right? Uh, the rest of the story. Looking forward to that discussion. I've got a Ring Central call coming in and I have no idea how to kill it. <laughs> well, Kurt, I appreciate the time. Uh, Bill, as always, and uh, Kurt, we'll do the, the part two. I think we already have it on the calendar, don't we? We do. Yes. Thanks, Andy and Bill. Good. All right, guys. Thank, Thank you, you very much. We'll do it again in a week or so. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the Citrix Session with your hosts, Andy Whiteside and Bill Sutton. A special thanks to our guests, podcast produced by Pete Downing. Head over to Zentegra.com forward slash podcast to listen to all podcasts in this series.